Welcome to another Nerd Rant. Here we are again, uh, ranting Nerd Rant. We got a lot uh, of comments telling us that Nerd Rant is probably not the right name for this format. But Nerd Ramblings just don't have a punch. I think we stick to Nerd Rant just because we don't have a better name. Yeah. Even if we're not ranting. No, and for this one, uh, we brought you a special topic um, that is admittedly a bit difficult to answer and maybe there is no good answer for it but we want to go over what's the best 3d tool out there absolutely i mean the internet just explodes of discussions about what is the best 3d tool and of course our conclusion will be that you can decide this and that it depends and that everybody has to choose what works for him or her but nevertheless Let's talk about 3D tools today. And I think um, while doing so, we also should talk about our origin story. So how did we get started in 3D? What tools did we use? Probably a lot, probably a weird selection. What led us to select those tools? And yeah, just our overall story of 3D, the biography. The biographies of 3D, yeah. And um, while this is a fun topic, it it is a little bit um, frightening because it shows how old we actually are and that I am 10 years older than you are. Yeah, but nevertheless, we have beautiful hardware pictures. Uh, that is true. We, we just Googled some stuff and fortunately we found something. So uh, let me ask you, Moritz, what was your first computer to do 3D on? We found a picture of it. It was called um, a Tulip, which was a Dutch manufacturer, I think. Um, Tulip 486DX2. Um, We only found this picture. I had a CD-ROM drive in here as well. Which is a little bit posh. Uh, Was definitely at the time. I think it was 94. Wow. It's a beauty. uh, No, (laughs) absolutely not. It's a 486. That's a very slow processor, 66 megahertz. It had 8 megabytes of RAM. That's very little RAM. It ran DOS 6.22 or Windows 3.11, which was a painful combination. <laughs> um, and it kept crashing and I tried installing a sound card and it crashed even more frequently. Fantastic. And you achieved to do 3D graphics on this thing? I wouldn't uh, describe it as achieving it. I tried achieving it. You tried to do that, actually. And of course, I used the only program that was available to me back then, which was freely available, which came on a CD-ROM on the back of some magazine, which... We have a picture for you. Pauvre. Do you remember uh, pictures like these? I mean, it's iconic by now. 3D, reflective sphere, checkerboard floor. I think it tries to recreate the original witted ray tracing paper rendering. Okay. That's what he had in there. That's pretty similar. And everyone just demoed that picture. I I would like to show you a Pauvre interface. It's just that there is no (laughs) interface. There never was. No, it was just scripting. So it had the scripting language and Povre basically was based on constructive solid geometry. So it just intersect platonic solids, spheres, tubes, boxes and try to model with that. So basically you sat down writing your scene as a text? Well, you were supposed to. But of course, I wasn't interested in that. So I got a graphic interface for that. And the Oh, of course. And we Googled it. And I think that was it. That is it. That is called Moray. I think we have a later version, which runs in Windows 95. I think mine even ran in 3.11. And I mean, it has everything in modern, quote unquote, modern 3D software has. It has buttons. It has a bunch of primitives. It has four viewports. Um, I mean, that is not bad, actually. 
Was it was it actually possible to create something with it? Yeah, if you had the patience. I mean, I tried creating a wristwatch with it, including like the segmented wristband. Of I course, think. you did. I think every 3D artist. Well, I mean, the shape of a of a wristwatch, especially in the mid 90s, lend itself to CSG. It was just a torus. It was a tube, and that's about it. Yeah, that's true. And I I created one too. I think for one of my university projects. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Uh, sure. Yeah, funny enough, you started on PC, so that is why you are a PC guy. Might be. I, I wondered about that because through so, some coincidence, I was never forced to totally switch um, ecosystems, for the better or worse. Well, I started on that. That is a Silicon Graphics personal iris, and although it looks black, it wasn't black, of course. It was brown. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we used them uh, at the university where I studied and we had four of them for all the students. That was, I, I don't know, 70 students or so. And we shared them. And that meant uh, an hour a day on the computer was a lot of time. I mean, that that looks like a posh and expensive machine. I it was ridiculously expensive. I don't remember how much exactly, but you could have bought a car for the same amount. And uh, that is why we only had four. And on this thing, we had Softimage 3.8 running or Softimage 3.9. I don't remember. And that is what it looked like. It ran uh, on IRIX, which was a Unix-based operating system that uh, Silicon Graphics used. And it was uh, a very, very pro program back in the day. They created Jurassic Park dinosaurs with it. Okay. And it was capable of doing meta balls and NURBS construction and it even had a schematic view mm -hmm. down on mm -hmm. the right. Which yeah reminds me a little um of the object context in Houdini. <laughs> yeah, I could say so, yeah. Not exactly. And it was pain. It was really <laughs> painful. Why? It was not intuitive at all. Okay. Um and I yeah I just refused to learn it. I didn't like it at all. Uh -huh. And that is why I started to just look for options. Mm -hmm. And um, because I was studying design, not 3D, but yeah. design in general, I um, I really looked for every penny that I could uh, could could spend and, and bought a Mac back in the day. Oh. And that was, funny enough, that was uh, 94. So... See? around the time where you were sitting in front of your PC. And I had a Mac back then, and the Mac was ridiculously powerful mm -hmm. because it was an 8,100 power PC with 80 megahertz wow. and 80 megabytes of RAM. That is about 10 times what my PC It was had. ridiculous. And, and I started to look um, for options on this Mac because I, I quickly understood if I couldn't spend my evenings on the computer i would never learn it so i i was okay with having shitty software that yeah. could even do less than softimage okay as long as i could just use it yeah and um yeah you told me about povre and constructive solid geometry and the first thing that i found was that <laughs> this is bryce 3d and it was a very very funny interface to create terrains reminds me of kai's power goo That is probably because it was the same guy creating it. <laughs> that explains a lot what's yes, going on here. That is, uh, it's not only interesting regarding 3D, it's interesting regarding UX. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you could say it's, yeah. Yeah, it has this room metaphor that we find in a lot of 3D, uh, recent 3D programs. Which ones? Like um, Blender's 
Yeah, Blender. Oh, yeah, yeah. Could, yeah okay. Cinema 4D with yeah. the latest uh, GUI update. They have these tabs at the top where you can switch between dedicated workspaces. And yeah. that was a little bit like the rooms in that one. Bryce. Yeah. And it was capable of doing constructive solid geometry. That's a weird combination it doing terrain is. and CSG. Yes. Which brings me to one of my other favorite tools when I started out with this whole computer graphics train back on the Tulip 486, which was TerraGem. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, that was uh, sort of the the older brother of Price. Yeah. It was for terrains too. And it has a really pretty interface. It ran on Mac and PC. This is a Mac version. You probably use the PC yeah, version. Yeah, I use the PC one. And it did not have a classical user interface. Very funny that back in the day, programs thought it would be a nice idea to just split everything up into individual windows that just overlapped. On the I screen. think GIMP does that to this very day, don't No, they? no, they changed it okay. to a concise okay. uh, viewport filling interface. Oh, yeah. But back in the day, that is what you what you got. So you had yeah, a lot of settings and uh, a lot of waiting. That was uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, what, yeah. what I remember. Yeah, lots of waiting time. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Well, I, I quickly encountered that Bryce is probably not doing it for me because uh, no objects, no modeling at all, no wristwatches. And that is why I looked further and checked out Lightwave because I heard that they created um, the phenomenal visual effects for um, Star Trek The Next Generation with it. I think Star Trek and uh, there was this submarine series, DSV or something? Probably. I mean, Lightwave was very popular back in the day. Um, Lightwave was made by the same guys who did Video Toaster, right? For the exactly, Amiga. exactly, yes. I checked it out, but it was it was very funny because it was actually three programs, and the modeling module was one dedicated application, mm -hmm. and the layout program where you were supposed to shade and set your camera was a different application. Okay, and that was strange to say the I least. I mean, you could say, yeah, okay. The the idea of having different applications not unified under one UI is a strange thing. But when you think about it, Houdini does that to the very day. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But back in the day um, with, with Lightwave, the, the reason was uh, the scale. Because when you're modeling, you probably want to reset the scale to one all the time because mm. you don't want to have a scale on the matrix of your object when you're mm. modeling. Yeah. That is a, the thing with Blender where you always have to apply the scale all the time. Yeah. And uh, of course, if you want to animate, you want to save the scale to the matrix. Yeah. And I think that was the reason why they just created two programs. Yeah. The first program where you just was, uh, you, you used uh, local coordinates yeah. and then in layout, you could actually animate. But for me, it was not the right thing it okay. just was not right and that is why i found another beauty and i have a screenshot somewhere and here it is this beauty is cinema 4d version 4 my first version of cinema 4d running on the amiga which amiga did you get uh well i never get i, I never got one my brother had a, <laughs> a 1200 how fortunate for you. It was it was great. It was it was capable of running Cinema 4D, but with version 4, Maxon, yeah. Um and Maxon used to be a a publisher for um game uh, magazines, magazines right? Yeah, yeah. Back in the day. Yeah. And they just distributed the software as a goodie on one of the CDs that came with the magazine. And, and I think uh, Cinema was written by two brothers, right? And Maxon yes. just uh, distributed it. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um and, and back then they decided, well, um, Amiga probably does not make it. So why don't we just port it to Windows and Mac? Mm -hmm. And uh, version 4 was the first version that actually came to Mac. Mm -hmm. 
So I used this one, but not on the Amiga, but on Mac. It looked exactly the same and it was capable of exactly nothing. <laughs> so you could draw a spline, I think. You could do a, a revolve object and you could do an extrusion and that was pre pretty much it. And it came with a ray tracer, just like Ray. A separate one? No, it was inbuilt. Okay. And it was it, it got a lot of uh, fame for the ray tracer because for the day, the ray tracer of Cinema 4D was quite fast. Ah, okay. I wasn't and, aware. Uh, so, yeah, you could quickly trace extruded objects with this. And that is what I, what I, was, what I was using uh, while being at, a, at university, Cinema 4D 4. I think you used Cinema 4D quite some time, even after you graduated. No, absolutely. Uh, but that is how it started. That is how I came to use Cinema 4D. Because um, just quickly, the options back in the day was, uh, let me see, Ray Dream Designer, this beauty here, um, Mac OS 7. It was a little bit more mature, but at the same time, very, very confusing. I like the um, object browser down there with the pre-built stuff like butterfly, crocodile. Absolutely. I mean, the concept of a, of a content browser is um, fantastic. I would be interested if anyone ever uses a content browser or if this is ju just something that marketing, uh, marketing dreams up and people in production just actually never use. Well, um, I think people did not use it and that changes now as uh, software companies are creating content browsers or asset browsers that are a little bit more powerful than just loading models or textures. And now with, with these more sophisticated things where you can just import a dedicated asset, think mega scans or something like this, yeah. where you have all the textures assigned and maybe even a rig or something. I think people start using no, them now. Um, so that was another option, not for me. And then uh, this... This here is called Strata Studio Pro, as you can see, and it was very, very popular on Mac back why then. Was, why was that? Because it has something nobody offered, only Strata Studio Pro on Mac. Let me, let me guess. May I guess? Yeah, guess. Type tool. No. It was very, very sophisticated, and it was called Radiosity. Jesus The Christ. holy grail. But wait a second. We are not talking global illumination here. No no global illumination sampling or anything. Uh, ray casting, past ray thing. It was radiosity. So dicing your scene into little triangles and then calculating the energy distribution between the triangles. And it took forever. You could switch over to, uh, to radiosity with this program. And then you waited for a 380 by 240 image for a day or so the resolutions i want to get into that <laughs> because you just mentioned it but yeah the resolutions we rendered back then were always like 320 by 240 320 by 200 388 by 352 exactly we are not even talking um high res which back then was 640 by 480 we are just talking quarter resolution back then yeah or pal here in germany yeah, yeah. pal if you're in uh, europe 720 yeah. 576 yep Non-square. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Non-square interlaced. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic TV standards. standards. No, Analog. but we, we couldn't even reach um, that. But um, talking about these ancient programs, 
actually supports one of my arguments or one of my, my reasoning regarding uh, what, what 3D tool to pick, especially with the resolutions, because, of course, it was ridiculous. We, yeah. we rendered stamps, basically. Yeah. Yeah. But um, that was not important. It was important to learn the concepts. And even with these ridiculously small images and even with this awful art that we created back then, at least we learned the concepts. And that is actually a point I want to make, that uh, the, the your software choice is not that important, actually. Maybe not when you're starting out, no. No. It is uh, because, yeah, 3D will change. It, it changed a lot over the course of the last... 25 years, years. Yeah. and it keeps changing new players end of the game and others leave like unreal very recent edition or substance designer or substance painter all very very modern stuff yeah. um, and it is ever changing the only thing that remains constant for over over the period of this long period of time is the concepts yeah. so dot product lighting was a thing back with strata studio pro yeah And it is a thing today with Houdini. Transformation so, matrices in every tool. Ex exactly. So, um, yeah, while all of this is very funny, and of course there are um, advantages and disadvantages to each and every program, it is not really important. Strata Studio, I think, what else? We, we had something else in there. I mean, just to briefly touch this, although it's not a 3D software, I see it in the next tab which is what got me um, <laughs> heavily into actually actual animated images. It's Particle Illusion. It was a really quick particle system running on Windows 95. So this was later when I was nearing my graduation day from high school. I spent lots and lots of time in this Wasn't tool. that the one that was bought by Autodesk and then put into combustion? Not sure. I think Boris Effects might have bought it. Someone bought it, put it somewhere in there. I uh, think there, I there was a there used to be an, an After Effects um, competitor called Combustion, yeah. which was sort of the the small brother of Flame. Yeah, yeah. And one of the main features was very very fast two D particles. Chances are that this that, one was that in there. That might be it. And I did lots of really shitty, really let's call them colorful animations. Interesting animations. <laughs> Quite interesting. Yeah. So you see, um, well, we used quite some 3D software. I mean, it did not stop there. Then um, I used Cinema 4D. And then uh, after a while, I was uh, forced to use 3D Studio Max for a job because back then um, exporting to uh, to Illustrator was very popular for this 2D illustrative look. Yeah, And there, there was a... Um, A plugin actually that only ran inside of 3D Studio Max okay. called Swift 3D, I think, mm -hmm. and that was why I was forced to use 3D Studio Max. So, did you actually, since you started, I mean, you started using 3D later in your life, um, uh, relative to when you were born, but at the same time we figured it out. So, did you actually ever have a period where you just said, "Nope, that's it for me, 3D"? No. I started with it and I fell in you love and since then I stuck spent with it pretty much every evening. Because what happened with me with Poffray and Moray, I discovered that around 94, 95 as well. So I was 10, 11 and found it really nice to tinker around with it and then puberty hit. Okay, yeah. That is, of course, a big problem. And For then, me, that was already um, done. Been right. there, done that. Yeah. <laughs> quite a, uh, yeah, quite advantageous for you. So I think for four to six years, I didn't touch 3D. 
funny enough, imagine the difference if you would have spent these six years on 3D, how good of a 3D artist you would be in it today. <laughs> or how else my job um, selection or job choice would have been. Would have been different. <laughs> Probably. I think it took me back to university. Um, then I just restarted 3D. Yeah. yeah, funny enough. I mean, when I was 10 years old, there was there just was no 3D. Yeah, you, you had no chance. You could, I mean, no one in it your just, circle could have afforded an IRIX or an SGI. It, yeah. I mean, yeah, that was a very early days. I, I'm born 1974. So yeah, when so I was, was mid 80s, 10, mid 80s was a very early days of visual effects and CGI. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think. Uh, Hollywood used dedicated hardware built yeah. by dedicated universities, and yeah. it was it was just not a thing back then. Yeah. yeah, funny enough. I think we should split this in two parts and let this be our history. Do you uh, want to add anything to this biopic? Part? Yes, actually, I want to add the complete story. So let me quickly sure. quickly do a list. Started with Bryce, then switched to I uh, Softimage three point nine. Cinema 4D, used it for, for a while with a little Strata Studio Pro for the Radiosity, then was forced to use 3D Studio Max, did not like it, like it. then used Cinema 4D to start the sponsor, mm -hmm. then switched over to Softimage again mm -hmm. uh, because of ICE, okay. the nodal yep. programming environment, yep. then Softimage got killed, yep. and I switched finally to Houdini. And then... Because of teaching at the university, I encountered Blender. Hello. So Blender is the latest addition to the chain. Oh, by the way, I forgot Maya. That that one I used for my um, diploma thesis. Oh. Once, at well, least. Once, at least. Yeah. So I pretty much used pretty yeah pretty much everything. No, my 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 biography was way more monogamous. Mon <laughs> mono yeah, you know, didn't use that much stuff. Povre again, then puberty hit. Didn't. There were other things important in those years then, at least to me. Stupid me. Um, yeah, then Cinema 4D in university, I think version 11 or something, or maybe 10.5. Stuck with that for a very long time, and then you actually forced me in Houdini, uh, into Houdini. Sorry for that. <laughs> that's, that's all right. Maybe one of the better decisions in your life. Yeah, lucky you. So. Yeah, thanks for that. But, um, well, oh, what, I, what we did not talk about is um, Modo. Moto was uh, was quite a big thing for quite uh, a while too until it was bought. I think today not that many people are using it. It's still it's still there. It is still in existence, I think. Yeah. yeah. So Moto was another one, and yeah. Yes, it's a very funny story. A lot of three D programs came and went, and um, yeah, actually all of them had different advantages and disadvantages. So. Because I mean, we are talking for quite some time now, let's probably actually split this in two parts and next time talk about what we make out of this history. This history and how we project it into the future. And if you see our history, you can make up your, your mind if you really want to see this guy's projection into the future. Because, I mean, we used weird tools back then. <laughs> All right. Yes. So, so until next time. Thanks for being with us and traveling back to the future.